Secrets of the Sire. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode, episode 197, to be exact, of Secrets of the Sire. We talk comics, movies, TV, and pop culture every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Sire Studios digital network. That's youtube.com slash Sire Studios, facebook.com slash Secrets of the Sire, twitch.tv slash Secrets of the Sire, and secretsofthesire.com. You can download this as a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Google Play, everywhere podcasts are available, you can find us. Uh, tonight's episode, we've got Baby Yoda, we've got the Snyder Cut, and we watch more Watchmen, and we welcome Comics Beat uh, journalist extraordinaire Heidi McDonald on to spin the racks. I am your host, Michael Dolce, and as always, joined by my cohort in crime, the lord of the live stream himself, Mr. Hassan Godwin. How are you doing, sir? First of all... Happy birthday to us. Happy birthday, Michael Dolce. <laughs> and happy birthday, Hassan. Godwin, we didn't mention it last Wednesday, mainly because no. I'm trying to forget my birthday. But, <laughs> uh, but we both celebrated Wonder why. Why could that? Last, What's the reason for that? Last week, so that was good. Yeah, yeah as we say uh, pretty much every year, we go over every year. The ironic thing about this is that Michael Dolce's uh, birthday is on, uh, on November 15th, yep. and mine is on the 16th. Yeah, and we did not plan it that way. No, we one did time not. we had an intern whose birthday was on the thirteenth. Yeah, we had a we had a, 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 a just an army of uh, Scorpios. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Was, we uh, we are uh, we are the <laughs> progressives. <Yeah. laughs> um, got a couple of house cleaning uh, items to or housekeeping items to uh, to attend to. First of all, this I'll is episode just back. This is episode one ninety seven. So yes, join is. us uh, December 11th. We will be we will be broadcasting from the Starlet Runner Studios. We've got Fabian Nicieza, uh, Steel Philippic, and Mr. Jeff Gomez, uh, Transmedia Superstar, Changing Lives with Transmedia too. There's a whole lot of stuff going on with that company uh, that is just awesome. That will be our 200th episode spectacular. Unless wow. they cancel on us, in which case we'll just be me and you. But no, I think that's it. <laughs> I think that's it. We, we, are, we are all set to uh, broadcast there. Uh, December 28th, we're going to do our Star Wars live show. It's a live event. Uh, it's a Saturday night. Um, Christmas and New all Year's. the Christmas sales, man. We're going to miss all the Christmas sales in the 28th. Christmas and New Year's uh, happen to fall on Wednesday. So we get an extended break, which is pretty awesome. But uh, the 28th, we'll be broadcasting live from... Uh, funny business in Nyack, New York. Uh, we're going to have Darren Sanchez from Marvel Comics on uh, to join us for that. Uh, we're going to do a live event. It's going to be streamed only to our patrons. Uh, and then January 1st, you will get to listen uh, and watch uh, as we stream it out to the rest of the world. Uh, but we will be off, which is the best part. <laughs> That's the best part. And finally, uh, coming next week, next Tuesday to be exact, Descendant. Kickstarter finally launching. We pushed it back because of the Indiegogo with uh, Sire from a few weeks ago. Uh, didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, truncate the masses with uh, with lots of stuff. So yeah, don't want to truncate those masses. That is our housekeeping items. Uh, but tonight we start with our Sire bites. Marvel's Runaways canceled on Hulu. Season three will be its last. This is from ScreenRant.com. It broke on Monday. Uh, Marvel's Runaways is canceled at Hulu. The series is set to end with season three next month. As the new trailer is a few years ago, Marvel TV was rapidly expanding uh, with series set up at ABC, Netflix, Hulu, and Freeform. However, in the last year, a number of those shows have been canceled or confirmed to be ending. All of the Marvel Netflix series from Daredevil, yeah. I'm sure, were canceled. Wow, yeah. Uh, Agents of Shield. It was a Marvel apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, Agents of Shield set to end. And despite it seeming like Marvel TV's output at Hulu would increase, it seems the company is culling its live-action streaming shows uh, there as well. Yeah, they had um, they had Cloak Ghost, and Dagger, Ghost right? Rider, yeah, Cloak and well, Cloak and Dagger was on Freeform. That's being canceled. Uh, Ghost right, Rider but then the, the was consolation prize for 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 the um for Cloak and Dagger yeah. was that they would be joining the Runaways. Yeah. 
And, and now yeah. you're announcing that the runaways is over. So yeah, all right. Uh, basically, what it what it comes down to, Feige's role at Marvel is expanding, and Marvel TV head Jeff Loeb is reportedly on his way out. Now, Jeff Loeb is a comics veteran uh, writer as well yes, too, is. so it's just interesting to see. Was all he, in all, was he involved with uh, Heroes? Refresh my memory. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think so. I think he was either a writer or executive producer, something to that extent. Yeah. Tim Krim was a, was, was a show creator, but I think Jeff Loeb came in to do the writing, I think, for season two. Yeah, I think. and that was a bad season, too. Uh, mm. funny, funny part about all this, though, right? I mean, what's, what's the legacy of the Marvel Studios on TV before it goes to this Disney Plus and, and, and under the actual umbrella? I mean, I'm looking at this like a lot of <sighs> wasted potential, I guess is the best way to put it. I thought Agents oh, of yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D., when it first came out, I was like, this could be an actual like TV series that that's a TV series, but happens to be a Marvel show. And I, and I thought it had a lot of potential. I feel like it always bounced around. and never knew what it wanted to be. It kept changing all the time. Uh, the Netflix shows. Look, I still haven't finished most of those Netflix shows on Mar- for Marvel. <laughs> so it's like at some point. The Netflix shows were, were an interesting phenomenon where they were good. If they, had, if they all had uh, decided to stop at eight episodes yes to, to yes. be better yes yes if they had decided to be better they'd be yeah. better yeah um, if they had decided to stop at eight episodes or maybe 10 yeah um i think a lot of them would have been better i remember the first season of jessica jones i thought was really good first season of daredevil was really good yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. i enjoyed the first season of uh of, of luke cage um the problem is the first i don't not Daredevil didn't have this problem, but definitely Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, they went on a little too long. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, like, especially if you're in, in, like, the Jessica Jones situation where you got a, a villain like Kilgrave, who's a great, you know, is, you know, David Tennant. It's like just yeah, a yeah. fantastic actor. But after, after 13 hours of trying to chase this guy, it just starts to look like you can't catch him. Yeah, yeah. You know? It's not like he's really... He's some he's some genius mastermind that keeps getting away from you. It just more looks like you keep dropping the ball in your opportunities of getting hold of him. And it that would have that would have been a lot less if they had only, you know, if they had only maybe done eight episodes instead of thirteen. But then again, Defenders did eight episodes and that didn't turn out too good either. So yeah, there's a lot of just, I think those first yeah. seasons were under the were under the complete MCU banner, and those mm-hmm. first seasons were really strong. They lasted a little long, but they were really strong. And then when the MCU and Marvel Television split, you could see like almost a quality drop, yeah. like you know, a very steep quality drop. Yeah, I and don't so, know. I mean, at the end of the day, I feel as if they they kind of let something get away. Um, I, I'm excited for Disney Plus. Uh, I'm actually. You know, especially, and we'll talk Mandalorian later, but, you know, with just having Feige kind of, like, overseeing everything, I feel there'll be a little more cohesiveness that we did not Maybe. get to see. Hope he's uh, got good lieutenants, because that's too much on oh, his plate. Oh, gosh, That's yeah. too much on one oh, man's yeah. plate. Oh, yeah. And he's doing the Star Wars movie, too. It's really, yeah, that's, that's it's, crazy. It's kind of crazy. Uh, predictions sure to go wrong. Uh, we'll... we'll We'll tackle some more stuff uh, with uh, with Marvel down the line as we as they roll out uh, their Disney Plus offerings. All right, Justice League: Zack Snyder, Ben Affleck, and Gail Gadot call for release a fabled Snyder cut. Despite the push for the filmmakers' version of this film, insiders tell the Hollywood Reporter no announcement is imminent. A fabled director's cut of 2017's Justice League got a boost on Sunday, the second anniversary of the film's release. Uh, Zack Snyder stepped down as director of Justice League after the death of his daughter, so he'd be with his family. Director Joss Whedon boarded the Warner Brothers DC superhero team-up movie to write new scenes and complete the project through reshoots. Uh, It earned a disappointing $657 million globally, and fans have always wondered what could have been. Uh, Yet the call for the Snyder Cut has continued to capture the imagination of a segment of fandom for the past two years, and in recent weeks has come to the forefront once again. Jason Momoa and it fuels the fire by reiterating comments he's made over the years, saying he'd seen the cut. And on Sunday, Gail Gadot, who played Wonder Woman, tweeted, release the Snyder cut. The film's cyborg actor Ray Fisher also lent his support. A few hours later, uh, 
Gail uh, Snyder himself retweeted Gadot, and Batman actor Ben Affleck added his voice to the mix soon after. What's the harm in releasing this at this point? Or is DC just kind of moved on? There's no harm in it. And I think uh, DC would be smart to release it, especially now with their their colossal win with Joker, right? One billion dollars. Yeah, one billion dollars. So it, it would be it would behoove them to make the fans happy again. I think they, the fans would uh, would show their appreciation. You'd make a little extra revenue. You know, because I mean, I, it's not. I don't think it's going to be like a. This is like like the equivalent it. of like releasing the Roswell files or something. Like I feel like it's this mythical thing that is just built up in people's imagination. They're going to watch it and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah." It's kind of. It doesn't matter. Sense. I mean, but yeah, but but speaking strictly as a uh, in a, from a marketing sense, as we had just uh, uh, yelled and screamed about it. Um, it it doesn't really matter how the film is received. I'm just saying, what, would it be a good business deal for them? Oh yeah, at this moment, you know, I don't think they could lose. I don't think they've they've got a lot to lose. They're, they're not on, they're, going in that direction anymore. They're not they're not counting on that being a, a component part in whatever universe they're trying to build anymore. So it's not really going to set them back to to you know to put that forward. They have um, the streaming app too. They have their uh, DC app. I mean, wouldn't it make sense to get subscribers just to do it, put put it on that? I mean, you don't even have well, to make they, a yeah, big deal. Yeah, I mean, about I guess it. so. But they haven't really been doing. They haven't been attracting a, a much attention to it. No, know? no. So I mean, that would it would just kind of come out and be lost in the ether. I'm talking about just make a big deal about releasing it. Release it no, for I know. Christmas. No, I know. Make a big deal, but release it. Just release it on the app. Get some people to sign up. All access. Nobody's going to sign up just to... I don't know. No one's going to pay for another app just to see the Snyder Cut. You know the cool part about Hulu? Uh, Not showing all these Marvel shows? I don't have to renew Hulu. (laughs) You know, I kind of got to a point. I'm like, I don't even know why I even have Hulu. I'm just (laughs) wasting $5 a month now. Yeah, we're going to... A lot of people are starting to do the aggregation on how much these streaming services are costing. Yeah, you know, and they're cheap, but then they creep up every month. Mm-hmm. They'll send you a little notice. Oh, by the way, we're going to charge you more. You know, mm-hmm. and then it's up to you to 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 you know unsubscribe or whatever and decide that you want to go without. So it's kind of you know, I mean, it's supposed to we were supposed to be cutting the cable, man. Yeah, and it's we've we've all made it worse for ourselves, unfortunately. Chime in. Let us know. Do you want to see? The Snyder Cut. I, I, I now I'm just, it's a matter of personal curiosity at this point. I don't even, I, I had no interest in whatsoever, but now it has again grown to this mythical level proportion that I just, I'm like, all right, I, I, I want to be able to watch it and be like, oh yeah, this, oh, I don't even know. What would we even gain after all said and done? All you'd be sitting there going is like, man, they effed up that too. Well, I mean, I, I guess the, the conventional wisdom is that Batman v Superman uh, director's cut shed so much more light on what the attempt of the movie was. The movie actually made sense. It was it's a better received version yeah. of that movie of a yeah. not a great movie. Yeah. So you know they're they're hoping for a lightning strike twice with uh with Justice League. Let us know what you think when we come back. It's Baby Yoda time, baby. Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. And we break down the best babies that we've ever seen on TV when we come back. Hi, folks. This is Michael Dolce, host of the Secrets of the Sire podcast and co-creator of Descendant. It's hard to believe, but it has been 10 years since we unleashed Descendant onto the comics world back in 2009 through Image Comics. Uh, covers by Tyler Kirkham and art by Mariano Navarro. Marcus Perry and I co-creating the book. Uh, Descendant tells the tale of a counter-terrorist agent, Rain Santiago, who's secretly the descendant of an Incan goddess. She's got these crazy powers she can't control and a past she's been running from her entire life until someone from that past emerges and outs her to her team. Uh, with the book being currently adapted into a screenplay and the issues practically sold out across the country, it felt like it was the perfect time to collect the series into an 80-page trade paperback. And now you can get in on the action. Uh, we've got some great rewards, including bookmarks, buttons, pins, sketches, signed comics, uh, and also one that includes our entire lineup of Sire Studios books, which it means the Sire, Mainstream, Undone, and more. And best of all, the proceeds from this Kickstarter, after the cost of printing, shipping, and for the products themselves, will go directly to artist Mariano Navarro, who stepped up big time and made this thing possible back then. Uh, Marcus and I were 
in awe every week when we would see new pages come in the inbox. And uh, it was truly an honor and a privilege to work with them. And we hope to work with them again soon. So jump on board this 10-day Kickstarter. It's gonna run all the way through Cyber Monday and into December. Um, it's only 10 days, so get in quick and help make this happen. Go to sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter for more info and to back this incredible project. Goes live November 26th. Thank you, really appreciate it and I really hope you can make this happen. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. We do this every Wednesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, talking comics, movies, TV, and pop culture. Secrets of the Sire is brought to you by all of our beloved patrons, dedicated fans, Tom Osa, Craig Caruso, Einar Peterson, Matt Beyer, Ashley Haikai, Oma Morales, Brian Phillips, Steve Obecki, our program director, Stephanie Dolce, and as always, our Uber fan, Christina Dolce. A uh, shout-out to Craig Caruso, who's a new dad. Congratulations. Uh, you can kiss sleep goodbye all right here we go we are talking about the newest disney sensation the mandalorian uh last week we were very hush hush about it this week uh you can't walk you, you you can't browse the internet and not see a baby yoda even my wife uh yesterday was just like oh yeah that's that new show with the thing yeah i saw that and she just does not watch tv period uh <laughs> she doesn't watch star wars you don't um, let your wife watch TV? That's cool, Oh, I let man. her do whatever she wants. She's <laughs> not to. She is a bookworm. She will literally uh, her face. Oh, in she's book. one of those readers. Ugh. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, Sorry, dude. Sorry. We we Sorry. we talked about the Mandalorian. Look, generally I'm not gonna say anything bad about it. I think it's very well received. I think it's uh, people are very excited about it. Uh, it's very cool to see it. I found this interesting article that I thought this was kind of a, a neat take uh, before we count on our favorite babies. And I'm going to tell you why I actually think the baby Yoda um, irks me in a way that, that it reminds me of a Simpsons episode that you didn't watch because you don't watch the Simpsons. Uh, this is from Hollywood Reporter, The Mandalorian and When Star Wars is an Experiment. Uh, the original trilogy of Star Wars movies is, for the most part, straightforward when it comes to the genre, purposely patterning themselves after adventure movies of old with a purposeful mix of daring do sword fights, and romance. Despite the title, they're pretty far from war movies, and for all the suggested danger, there's very l true risk on the show. Uh, Rogue One, for all its faults, is the first Star Wars movie to actually feel as if the second half of the franchise title wasn't an exaggeration. Uh, Solo had remnants of a comedy movie uh, when it finally made it to screen, and The Mandalorian is very clearly a Western dressed up in, an, uh, in the alien costuming of the larger Star Wars mythology. For a property as valuable as Star Wars, it's been a surprise to see such experimentation done in public, not to mention presented as completed work as opposed to happening in the background before being refined. Basically, what it's saying is... It's full of crap. They still don't know what Star Wars... No, no, I, I think there's a very it's valid point here. Disney doesn't know what Star Wars is. I, I get that. Trying and I, and to figure it out as, as they kind of go along. I appreciate his, his assessment of it, which is correct, but the Mandalorian being a Western, which is true, is nothing new to Star Wars. The Star Wars is a Western. The whole first movie was a Western. Mm -hmm. Han Solo is a cowboy. Sure. For, with a vest, low-slung gun in a saloon, you know? <laughs> I mean, it, it, doesn't get, it doesn't get too much more uh, cowboy than that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we've, it's always been a Western you know, to an extent. Um, and then it's, it's always been a, 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 a hodgepodge of genres. You know, it's a samurai story. It's a Western. It's a, it's a war movie. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's Guns of Navarone. It's a, right. it's a bunch of things. So I don't, I don't, it's always been kind of experimental. Uh, uh, I guess in context. Yeah, I guess in context of other genres. Right? right, I think in context too. I mean, when Star Wars first came out, there's nothing else like it, even though it was patterned after something that had been done before. Right. Uh, so, which is which I'm jealous of because it's so hard to do something that's never been done before. Right. I mean, we just do not live in that age, you know. Right. Um, so, okay, but but continue. You had more. No, no, that was it. I, I just but thought you were it was, thinking about oh, the Yoda thing, right? You were gonna oh, well, Yoda, yes, yes. We're going to get into Yoda for a second. But I just think it's really interesting to see uh, 
that this article was kind of spelling out what we we kind of realized at this point like i, I and it's hard to, it's it's kind of hard to believe right because i feel like every diehard fan uh, who loved star wars has seen the output that disney has done and been like it's amazing how you can f up something that's you know, so okay. easy to not get wrong. Okay. And Mandalorian here's, is actually, I think, the first time people are saying, oh, we're going to come back to Star Wars now. Here, here's, here, here is the nutshell, right? Very simple. Very, 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 very simple. The, the, the most important through line to anything, and, and definitely for Star Wars, has been story, right? Mm-hmm. The best way to, uh, to codify your story is with characters. Yeah. Okay. You get a good story. You get sharp characters that have, you know, they have wants and needs and meaning and stuff like that. Yeah. People will follow them. Mandalorian, very obvious, very simple situation. And then you have one center character. So people are like, I like that guy. And I like the setting. I like this. Yeah. It's very simple. And that's why everybody likes the Mandalorian. That's kind of why, like, why a lot of people liked Rogue One, even though the characters were were very two dimensional. It was right. very, it's very weird. It's, it's just about very one easy person. to to jump onto. Yeah, it was about one person, about Jin or so, and about her dad. Yeah, and she's got. We got to find these plans, and we got to go to this place. We got to blow this thing up. Solo, not so much like that. Solo's kind of all over the place. It is about Han Solo. Mm-hmm. But, and it's about Han Solo wanting to go save his girlfriend, but he gets sidetracked in so many ways. And then you get, you know, uh, and I really like Solo. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Solo is still a better movie, a better Star Wars movie than uh, The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, in my personal sure. opinion. Um, and again, it's about one person. He's got one goal. The only problem is that the, that movie is so over, overwrought with uh, nostalgia hits that it stops becoming a movie and just becomes like a puzzle piece. Like, sure. oh, that's how he got his gun. Oh, that's how he met Chewie. Oh, that's how he met Lando. Oh, that's how he got the Falcon. Yeah. And so it stops being a story and it just, it just becomes a, 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 a checklist yeah. of, you know, of, of nostalgia hits. So that's unfortunate because there's a lot of good stuff in Solo and I really like I like the pacing of it. I like the look of that movie. I like the speed of it. There's a lot of really good things in Solo. There's a lot of good things in Solo. But the reason why, even though that movie didn't do very well in the box office, it is still better perceived and received mm-hmm. by fans than, say, the other two movies is because mm-hmm. it's, it's a story about one particular person right. trying to do one thing. What are the, what's The Force Awakens about? Yeah, I couldn't tell you. Nobody knows. They they're not even looking for Luke. Like uh, Finn, Ray, and Poe aren't even looking for Luke. They're not right. even on that mission. Right. Han Solo's not looking for Luke. Maz Kanan is not looking for Luke. Leia's looking for Luke. Leia and Poe are looking for Luke. And Poe disappears in the beginning of the film, and and doesn't come back until the very end of the film when they finally have all the information so they could go find Luke. And they still don't go after Luke because they gotta blow up the Star Killer base. <laughs> so there's no, I mean, it doesn't, none right. of the pieces fit. Right. You know, and then suddenly there's a lightsaber battle between Ray, who's suddenly a Jedi, and, and Kylo, who's been a Jedi. And I'm not even talking about the Mary Sue aspect of it. I'm just talking right. about, wait, where did she get a lightsaber? Why is she, right. Why are they having a lightsaber fight? What, what, well, she doesn't even want to be there. Right. She's, she's got no interest in being there. Well, how yeah. did this all happen? Yeah. And, this, and the same thing for, uh, the, 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 the Last Jedi is just, I mean, it's a bad story in and of itself. Nobody really wants anything other than to get away from this really slow moving chase. <laughs> and, you know, uh, Ray wants Luke to train her, and Luke doesn't want to train her. So she eventually leaves without getting trained to go try to save Kylo for some reason. Right. You know, because they've, they've been Skyping. <laughs> and and then they end up they end up murdering the emperor and then getting into this big throne room battle for no reason. I mean, it's like, wait a minute, none of this, none of these pieces tie in together. It's almost it's almost like there's a song that's being played and they're just hitting the symbols at, at all the right times when when you're supposed to, but there's no emotion behind uh, the the song. Like, like the lyrics don't match. And, yeah, and, and, and it's, it's like just this, like it this comes to a all, crescendo at, at and, like and, and, and you going and like, you. Well, and you as an intellectual, you intellectualize, this is supposed to work. This music right. is supposed right. to move me. 
Right. These images are supposed right. to be moving, and none of this is working, right. and I don't know why. Um, what Mandalorian, is, the what first is episode. Working. Go ahead. The first episode, go get this guy. Done. Second episode, go fulfill this mission. Find Baby Yoda, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, done. Everyone is talking about Baby Yoda. And here's my, here's my big gripe with Baby Yoda. And, and, it, and, and it's not a genuine, like, I'm, I'm upset with it. He's cute as hell. Don't get me wrong. I get it. Everyone, but I'm getting texts, Baby Yoda, exclamation point. Like, people I haven't even heard from it in, like, years are like, Baby Yoda. And I'm like, <laughs> like who is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like your insurance agent. Hey, it's Baby Yoda. <laughs> Mr. Phipps? What are you? What are you? It's like, <laughs> I, I fired yeah, you 10 years ago. <laughs> I get it. But, like, everyone went nuts with the Ewoks. Oh, the Ewoks ruined this. Oh, the poor. And, and... and the- Right, the porks, and it's like, but for some reason, Baby Yoda, and it does, and I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm condemning it at the same time. I get it, because it tugs at me, too, to see a Baby Yoda for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm, part of me is just like, just like, make up your damn mind. It's like that Simpsons <laughs> episode where uh, Quimby comes out, and he's just like, you people don't know what you want. Give us hell, Quimby! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember that one. I from a show you'll watch, liar. Yes, no, that liar. was back when I watched it. That's a that was from years ago. That old one. Now there's ton, tons of rumors. I don't want I don't want to skip over the importance of Baby Yoda just to gripe about people the fact are forgetting that people about don't know Yaddle though. Why are they forgetting Who? about Yaddle? Yaddle. Who's Yaddle? Who's Yaddle? Yaddle was the female Yoda on the Jedi Council in the prequels. What? <laughs> you don't even know about Yaddle. That's funny. Episode one. Jedi Council, there is a female Yoda, and her name is Yaddle. Did they spawn Baby Yoda? <gasps> Don't know. Probably not. Hopefully not. Well, the timeline years, would work. That would the fit. That would work. Would work. That would, that's the <gasps> son of Yoda. We figured it out. We figured it out. I gotta you heard watch. it here. Secrets to the side first. We I figured gotta it watch, out. I got to watch episode one again. Which, yeah. by the way, people, people really slam that movie. It Uh-oh. is much better than attack of the clones like so much better attack of the clones no attack of the clones for 17 minutes is one of the most awesome star wars movies i've ever seen the problem is the 17 minutes comes after the first two hours <laughs> and then ends i i remember sitting in the theater being like oh and, and it's like they just fought and they, they get it. i'm like oh yeah clone wars is about to start this is it this is what i'm waiting for credits yeah credits, credits. <laughs> i'm like what the um, there are things about, there are things in Attack of the Clones that, that are really good. And story wise, there's a lot of useful moments in Attack of the Clones. It is, it was until The Last Jedi, my least favorite Star Wars movie. Yes. Um, yes. Which is funny because Revenge of the Sith has become my most favorite Star Wars movie. Mm. Um, but mm. insane. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever. I don't care what you say. Someone else, someone <laughs> had a, I, I had this long conversation about Kingdom of the Crystal Skull recently. And they were like, and I'm like, Dude, it's not even, it's not even good enough. That was enough last to, week's episode. Uh, yeah, well, it's not, but it wasn't, it wasn't you. Trust uh, me. It wasn't I just keep bringing it back up. I just keep bringing it back up. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull isn't even good enough to, to, to earn that much dislike. And I don't think it's a bad movie. Right. But I'm saying like, it's 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 the same with the the it's the same with the prequels. Like okay, if they're bad movies, fine. But you you know, it's been twenty. You would have moved on by now if it was just a bad movie. Nobody's talking about you know the other bad movies that we've seen this year. You know that this uh, you know no no one's going to be talking about. I would sit Terminator yeah, Terminator no. uh, Dark Fate. No, ten years from now, going I can't believe how that destroyed my childhood. No one's going to be doing that. So. I, I, that, that's what I'm talking about. There's, I there's don't understand weird... how anything can destroy anyone's childhood because your childhood no, happened. But anyway, no, um, no Sith is yeah, actually no Sith, Sith is a very way. Sith is the best of the prequels. There's no question about that. Um, Here we go. Here we go. Good. Take no, a and, and, and I can actually when it's on, I can watch it, and I could sit and watch it. I've done that. I've done it where I've sat there like on TBS or TNT. I'll be flipping channels, and it's like, oh, Sith is on. I can watch this. So. <laughs> 
it's 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 not horrible. But I will go back and watch the prequels. I will watch episode one uh, on my new Disney Plus streaming app. Which episode one is not bad. It's very subdued, very slow, very you, very are, methodical. Are you at all concerned that Disney owns everything? Like I've these are like things that have I've been thinking about as I'm raking leaves because no. of the fall. Like I'm like Disney owns like everything now. I, it's this, like George Carlin. This is what I think about when I'm at home and the light, yeah, yeah. the power goes out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, like part of me is like, there's really this amazing stuff on this on this. App. I am not concerned because I never owned any of it anyway. So I mean, like, who cares who has it as long as it's available? Some, What's great about Disney is that they're making it available. If they had owned it, there is and put it on a shelf somewhere and locked it. I'd be upset that there's they just it. something about one company shaping the minds of. It shouldn't be that way. We have laws. This is America. We have laws against monopolies. But you know, heck, f the law. You know, apparently <laughs> because Disney is eating your lunch right now. And um, they're cooking our I, lunch and yeah. chewing it for <laughs> yeah. us, right in front of putting us, putting it yeah. into our mouth. <laughs> eat, eat, and we are excreting eat, eat Disney. More, and you know you want more. Real quick, Baby Yoda's sweeping the nation, but is it the best baby? I actually compiled a list of best babies. Okay, mm-hmm. Baby Groot, Baby Yoda, greater than or less than Baby Groot? Ah. Uh, that's a tough one. Um, I gotta Baby go. Baby less than less. Than I baby. I gotta go at this point. Two episodes in, less than less than less than. So, uh, boss baby, greater than. Yeah, I'll give you that too. Baby Sinclair from the dinosaurs, greater than. I could much never greater say. than. I hated that kid. <laughs> I, I hate that Baby kid. Sinclair. Gotta love me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate. I hate that. No. <laughs> love me. That's a drop right there. Uh, no. no. Maggie, Maggie Simpson. Ooh, that's tough. It's a tough one, right? I know it doesn't. she doesn't have a baby in her title. Maggie Simpson's not cute, though. Maggie it's Simpson's the, the brain trust of the Simpsons, right? Yes. So she's technically... She's she's on a higher level. I yeah. won't I won't compete with cuteness. I still think uh, greater uh, 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 baby Yoda greater than, and but how, only because of only categorically. Yes, yeah. How is baby Yoda using the force though? I know he's fifty years old and everything, but like, is it just is it just a, a given? Yoda man, the, but is it just a Yoda's, given? You know, the rumor is he's a clone of Yoda. Okay. Cool. He's a clone we of Yoda. Another Yoda. Yay. Yeah, I know. More Yoda. I know. I know. All right, chime in. Well, where is he? Where is he in the sequels? <gasps> I know, right? What happened? Right. Where is he in the sequels? Episode nine hasn't happened yet. All right, give us your take. Best babies that are out there. I want you. To, I want to know: Is he the son of Yoda? Is he the clone of Yoda? Let us know your thoughts. Uh, we'll read off some stuff and next why, week. About and let that. us know why Baby Groot's still better than Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Groot's still better than Baby Yoda. Ah, that's a Baby tough one. Baby Groot is cute as f, man. It's, yeah. it's and he dances. Baby Yoda does not dance yet. A shout out to you dance uh, if you want to, and we can Geek leave Five Nations behind. ladies for for tuning me into the Baby Groot versus Baby. But Yoda. Baby Yoda don't dance, and if he don't dance, he ain't no baby of mine. That's oh, all I'm saying. Boy, that's all, all I'm right. Saying. When we come back, we're watching more Watchmen. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Just a reminder, Descendant Kickstarter kicking off November 26th. Go to sirestudiosinc.com slash Kickstarter, and you can help support this great book. It's an awesome book, and you should do it. Uh, Watchmen <laughs> that's Watch. A, that's a heck of a pitch there, Dolce. That's a heck of a <laughs> the pitch. The commercial just ran. The commercial just ran. You should just do it. I, I figure the com- <laughs> I'm just reinforcing the commercial that just ran. You know why uh, you should buy this? Because it's out. You should get cause, it. Because I'm saying it. It's <laughs> subliminal marketing. It's subliminal marketing. All right. Watchmen, watch, 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 watch. Episode five. Uh, I got to be honest with you. This is one of my favorite and least favorite uh, episodes to date. 
one of my favorites because it finally not that it hasn't tied into the graphic novel but it really ties into it and it shows you the moment i i feel i it, it, okay, before I even tell you what I think, it, it actually shows you the moment where uh, Adrian Veidt teleports the giant squid monster into New York City, which is one of the greatest page reads you'll ever get. So if you read the graphic novel, uh, the owl and Rorschach uh, track uh, Veidt down to his Antarctic base. Adrian Veidt goes through this entire monologue about why he's doing what he's doing, which was reiterated on the show a little bit in the message to uh, President um, Robert Redford. And they're like, well, we got to stop you. And he's like, stop me. I, I did it like 35 minutes ago. And you just turn the page and then it, and it shows New York City and then <clears throat> everything just hits. And it's, it's just a tremendous, tremendous moment. So to actually see it, uh, to have – one of my favorite sort characters. Of well, sort, sort of see it, right. Sort of see it. To see the impact of it with all the bodies there and to have it connect to... Because uh, you, were, you were deprived of that from the movie. Correct. Right? Correct. To see it there and to have it connect to Looking Glass, which I thought... You know, I remember watching this uh, scene where he's getting uh, hit on, presumably, by this woman. I'm just like, nerds don't get hit on. That never happened. Oh, nope, she's going to steal some stuff from him. Okay. Boy, she really took off all his clothes really easily, too. I mean, I don't know what was going on with that. But anyway, to see it connected to yeah, Looking Glass. A virgin. That's yeah, what's oh, going yeah, on yeah that. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> I, I just thought it was an amazing opening scene. I also thought all the plot lines coming together, we kind of talked about it last segment uh, with, with, with Star Wars and The Last Jedi, and this is why it's upsetting me a little bit. All these plot lines are coming together. It's only no, the fifth line. It's only the fifth episode. It's like it doesn't have a, it doesn't have the kind of impact. It's like, and here's spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen it yet. Oh, the senator is really the one running, uh, you know, the seventh cavalry, and and now Looking Glass is is going to betray Regina King. N- there's not enough. There was not enough build up to this. It would have been awesome if that seed had been planted in episode five, but not actualized at the very end of the episode. I feel like that to me. Yeah, next next episode we're going to get a pastiche of uh, of the memories from Lou Gossett Jr. Apparently. Which is good. I mean, it's good. We'll, we'll yeah, get to learn good. all this stuff. Yeah. But I think one of the things that, to me, this show has been doing has been slowly, you know, unraveling the onion, and very slowly. To me, I think they. I but I think they they actually just too they, slowly. No, it's not too slowly. I'm <laughs> my, in my opinion is too slow. It's going way too slow. I told you. I told you Vite was in space. I don't know if he's on the on Mars. He's on the moon. He's on the moon. He's on the moon. Yeah. And, well, and you know what's and you know what's funny though? Do you know what's funny? Right, ish, but you, well, no, I think well, maybe a moon of Mars then. Because they showed the moon last episode after um Vite was ready to kind of like get off there. And I'm like, did they just tell us where he is? And I think they did. I think he's he's clearly on he could 80. be on the moon. He like, but but I knew he wasn't. He was he was in space. Yeah, you know, like okay. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that the show is a it's a good show. It's 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 a well done show. It's intriguing to an extent. But I'm gonna go ahead and tell you now that in my in my prediction, it's not gonna pay off. It would have. That's the thing. They laid a lot of groundwork for it to pay and off. And just the fact that now you could see it at episode five, you could see like, "Ooh, that was a good woulda, coulda, shoulda," right moment right there. Now that you could see it, now you see the the what I've been talking about the last two weeks. It's like I think this is a really well crafted mm-hmm. story, but I don't think they have an ending for it. I don't think they have a payoff because look, what canonically. What could what could the story about um, Lou Gossett Jr. and that's and the one name? where I still am in the dark about and what, what's and the the woman Lady um, True Lady True what canonically could not have to you know like in order for this to really work as a great sequel to the great graphic novel mm-hmm. Lou Gossett Jr. and Lady True have to have to be revealed as a major component of right. that novel. Right. And we don't see it. 
right? I mean, but that, it could that be. That just begs the question again, though. Like, if you did not read the graphic novel, like, is this making any sense to you? It's not making any. That's what I'm talking about. Like, looking at it, looking at it completely objectively, it's f- completely fascinating to me. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. You know, I I like um uh uh oh what's it? Looking Glass? What's that guy's the actor's name? I oh, I don't know the actor, but yeah, Looking Glass is great. Uh, he's yes, great. He's, he's he's got three names. It's like it's not. <laughs> he's got one. He's one of those three name kind of. Yeah. And I, and I know him, and I just can't. It's off the top of my head. Regina King, I think, is doing a great job. Yeah. Um, like Gene uh, Smart's uh, great too. Yeah, Jeremy Irons. Forget it. You know, it's great. It's, it's you know, he's he's it's effortless for him at this point. Right. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy it just for what it is, as opposed to what it's trying to lead me to. Yeah. But it's so busy trying to lead me around that it's not in my opinion. And this is not going to be something that is revealed to us all until the end. So I may be absolutely right. Or I may be absolutely wrong. But in my opinion, it's not laying the groundwork so that it has it 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 has a uh, meat to it. It has legs to it. Yeah. Once it's, yeah. once the secret is revealed, once you find out that Jon Snow is a Targaryen, where do we go from here? You know, and it's 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 a problem. I mean, there, look, there are yeah, there are definitely still some secrets, some questions to be answered. Uh, I'm but, looking forward to it. I, I think everybody who's watching now should continue watching. I don't think we're being robbed, duped. They will listen to. to you because you just said that to do that. Remember, that's just that's that's advertising. Go buy the book because it's out. Watch it because I say so. Watch it because it's on. <laughs> just just freaking watch the show because it's on. That's the and George what Costanza. else are that's you going to do? George, that's the George Costanza line too. What else are you going to do with this? your time? Because it's on TV. <laughs> not yet. Um, no, not yeah. Look, like I said, I I thoroughly enjoyed this episode, but I also why did you hate myself. it? No, I just, you loved just it. because you loved I wish they the played. Squid. I wish they played the long game with this. That to me was such. I almost wish they would have. Well, started, you don't know if they're not. I almost wish know? they would have started the sh- the series off with Squid and landing. Uh, but I they think if they awesome, would have done, see, this, is, this is this is what uh, this is what other people are saying now. They're they're saying like one of the biggest problem with modern day storytelling is they always start in Act Three. Right. All stories start in Act Three, so that they could use Act One and Two as flashbacks because that's mm-hmm. more intriguing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of most of the stuff that we've ended up liking that that has had tremendous staying power has started in Act One. Game of Thrones started in Act One, right? right? Right. And we followed it for eight years until it led us into, into, you know, into the abyss. Um, Star Wars started in Act One, okay, for Luke, at least. Right. I mean, of course, we are, it, it was revealed that there was more to it than that. Yeah, sure, basically, of course. But basically, for the, for the Luke story, it started in Act One. It didn't start at his birth. Mm-hmm. It didn't start when he was, you know, when he was finally confronting Vader. And then we'll do a flashback. How did we get here? You know, it started mm-hmm. when he, before he had yeah. even known what a lightsaber was all the way up until, you know, nobody has patience for that anymore. That's why Ray was a Jedi immediately, right? That's right. why, that's why Kirk in the, in the Abrams movies was a, was an F up and then they just gave him the Enterprise. Well, let's see what he's, he screwed everything else up and he cheated on this test. Let's see what he does with the flagship. So it, it's just, it's just this thing where we don't have the storytellers, the modern storytellers, not the audience, the storytellers don't have the patience it takes to set you up on a story, you know, yeah. on a, on a regular story from the beginning, get to know these people, get to know these characters, get to love them. Cause we're going to do horrible, horrible things to them in five minutes. That's a story. This, I mean, who's your main character in this? You could argue it's Regina King. Maybe. But then what's the through line again? They, she, Regina King is a cop. She had this really horrible thing happen during the white night. So now all the cops wear masks and, uh, you know, Sonny Crockett was, uh, was, was the chief of police who might be, who might've been a Klansman who was hung <laughs> by a, I mean, it's like, what? wait a minute. We're already, where's 
just just keep us on a level. You could put all this other crazy stuff in there, but right. keep us on a level so that we can follow it. You just because we're following it doesn't mean it's simple. But you no, can I give know. us something that we can follow while you're while you're unraveling all this other complex stuff. And it and they just they they think just throw them as many questions as humanly possible. We'll just keep them thinking and then uh, when the season's over, uh, we'll, it'll be critically acclaimed or whatever, and we'll, it'll justify another season, and we'll see if we can do it again. This was the same thing they did with uh, uh, Westworld. And then we'll take two years to do the next season, and it'll come out, and it'll be a disaster. Because nobody knows be kind of what they're that. doing. It's yeah, be I hope so. I hope, well, I, I already think Watchmen is better than season two of Westworld. Even with all the flaws I've been talking about, it's way better. It's way better than it's way better than True Detective season two. Also, okay, very, very, so I mean, it, very, very it, it's, it, it's not a bad show. I'm just saying it's it. There's no there's no way for us to follow it, and it's merely you and I. I know for a fact it's merely because of intrigue, because we love the graphic novel that we're that we're still here and we're still talking about it. I, I don't, don't know. know how anybody else is following it. I really I, don't. I am. I'm curious as well. All right, chime in if you uh, have not read the graphic novel. We'd love to hear it. Uh, it's on the Facebook feed or the YouTube feed. Uh, we'd love to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, only three episodes, to, or no, four episodes to go. So kind of, kind of excited. All these shows kind of coming to a head as well too. Uh, all around the same time period. So that's pretty cool. Uh, when well. when we come back, we go spinning the racks with Heidi McDonald of Comics Beat. Welcome back to Secrets of the Sire. Uh, we do this every week. We bring you inside the comic book world, laying the foundation for the movies and TV shows that you love. Uh, this week, we have Heidi McDonald on from Comics Beat as we go spinning the racks. Spin the rack, spin the racks. Wait, wait. We are joined by Heidi McDonald of Comics Beat. She's going to spin the racks with us tonight. Heidi, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, uh, Naya, for inviting me on. It's great to be here, finally. Uh, yes. You know, we talked yes. about it for a while. We have, we've been uh, like uh, dodging each other in, <laughs> in, a, uh, in a friendly, casual way because of many mutual acquaintances. But I'm going to give you a little history real quick before we jump into the interview. Uh, Hassan and I uh, worked at Wizard. When, when there was a Wizard magazine long, oh. long time ago. So your name has been like, like there on the surface for, for many, many uh, years. And, and this is kind of like a kudos to you in a way too. Like when you used to scoop Wizard in some way, shape, or form, we used to hear about it in the office. Like, oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. So that wow. was, was kind of cool. Like, uh, so it's like, ah, oh, how did Heidi McDonald get that? Ah, uh, blah, blah, blah. No one's ever admitted that to me before. So that's actually really <laughs> awesome. That kind of justifies my entire aughts. Uh, really good. Good to know. Yeah, no, we were there. Uh, Hassan was there a long, long time. I got out oh. before the walls started cr crumbling down around it. Yeah, I was there 10 years. <laughs> 90, yeah. 99 to 2009. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. So you so, were, uh, yeah, a yeah, long was, time ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Thank so, God. <laughs> we want to push it further and further back into the rear view. Yeah. <laughs> hey, a lot of great people there. A lot of great, gr a lot well, of great all the times. people, the people are great. A lot of the great times. Fantastic. A lot of great times. Well, that's, uh, uh inter no, actually the people were really awesome. And, uh, it is kind of interesting to just look at a uh, wizard's legacy over the years, actually. And, uh, you know, with all things nineties being so hot right now, mm -hmm. um, there's kind of a little wizard echo boom nostalgia going on. So, you know, uh, nostalgia tends to saw off all the rough edges and the serial numbers. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. So you are the auteur of uh, Comics Beat. Uh, it's twenty five years old. No, uh, not twenty five years old. Only fifteen years old. Oh, fifteen I mean, years old. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, I have been doing comics journalism for far longer than fifteen years. So yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I've been around forever. 
and I write the song. Sorry. Sorry to subject your listeners to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, talk to us. What does it mean uh, to celebrate 15 years uh, as, a, as a news website? Well, it's crazy that I'm still here. I mean, you know, Wizard lasted as a magazine probably, yeah, probably 20 years, I guess. But mm-hmm. um, And, you know, they had a whole infrastructure and everything. For most of the 15 years, the beat has been me, although I've had partners along the way. The first partner was Comic-Con. Dot com, mm-hmm. uh, Rick Veach, uh, the great uh-huh. uh, writer artist, and then Publishers Weekly, and currently um, Polarity, the parent company that owns Oni Lion Forge and Lion Forge Animation. So I, I've definitely had great partners. Uh, really, I'm just amazed to be here still. That's just me. That's just my tenacity. What was uh, what was the reasons to start up the the website? I mean, I know you, you said you were in comics journalism for a while. Anyway, but is it just something to kind of like be able to kind of shape the narrative in your in your own way or or you know well, what was what was the groundlings of that well i think that it kind of evolved into that a little bit but um you know i started writing like way 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 back like probably before either of you were born for the, <laughs> uh, for the hassan comics. just looks young we just celebrated uh, our birthdays uh, last week and we're, we are we are not as young as we, we are here. well we're, so did i are you guys <laughs> scorpios too yeah. we are yes ah, all right well then this is really meant to be <laughs> <laughs> but um, actually, anyway. Dolce's Dolce's birthday is on the fifteenth, and mine is on the sixteenth. Well, That's right, on the fifteenth. So obviously, oh, look at that. Yeah, that's wow. A fellow okay. fifteen. Okay. All right, I like that. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, you were, might have been very small, but anyway, when I started <laughs> I writing for fanzines, uh, for the Comics Journal, for the Buyer's Guide, which were kind of uh, in the eighties, the beginning of. Uh, comics journalism. I will say the comics journal mm-hmm. really kind of started it and I wrote for them for a while and then I went into editing comics. I worked for Disney. I worked for DC Comics and you know kind of did all the the real uh, you know corporate world uh, of comics and uh, then that ended and um, I mean I, I like to write. I like to write about things I'm passionate about and I'm passionate about comics. So that's really why the beat was born. Pretty simple. One of the things I love about the beat, uh, besides, uh, first of all, I love the newsletter. In fact, I, I, last time I ran into you, I told you the newsletter oh, yes. uh, is a fantastic source of information. It's just great to get everything kind of rounded up. And um, but your articles themselves too, I've actually complimented many of uh, of your authors who have who have contributed as well too. Um, in an age where anyone can just kind of like start a blog or you know pick up a, a, a you know a, a Wix site to do stuff you guys I mean it's 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 genuine and it and it shows that you guys are legitimately um, doing journalism right. as opposed to just um, you know starting a blog uh, I mean what's you know when when people contribute with you what's the level of, of quality that you expect from everyone and, and 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 how difficult is it in today's world of clickbait headlines to be a journalist versus just I guess an entertainer uh, well, Mike, first off, thank you very much for the very kind words. Um, it's, it's definitely appreciated. Um, you know, this is a fairly thankless task of writing about comics, but uh, so every little bit helps, believe me. Um, as far as finding uh, contributors, I find that the beat kind of draws its own people. Uh, mm-hmm. The way that I have run the site and the tone that I set for the site tends to attract a certain kind of mentality or a certain kind of approach to comics. So. Uh, pretty much everyone has the same kind of inquisitive nature. Uh, you know, I, the, the buzzwords that I use are authenticity and authoritative, <laughs> but it's also just, you know, being passionate about the material and everybody really cares about it. We've kind of expanded our coverage to, to cover entertainment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I find that, honestly, there are so many clickbait sites that just regurgitate all the headlines and uh, you know, we actually do analysis. Like we throw yeah. our own opinions in, and we we talk about. You know, I just this morning, or, or excuse me, on Monday morning, I wrote about <laughs> the Snyder Cut. I mean, over the weekend, yeah. all this stuff about the Snyder Cut, and so you know, I was able to write a piece about it. But it wasn't just you know that Gal Gadot tweeted and Ray Fisher tweeted, but I, I I traced it all the way to when Diane Nelson tweeted, and for me, that was the the that was really earth shaking that Daniel yeah. Nelson, the former head of DC Entertainment, had weighed in on this and had all these comments about Zack Snyder, and it really 
looked to me like, wow, I really want to read this book someday, man. So yeah. I'm going to write this book. <laughs> but anyway, I think, I think that's how we avoid clickbait. I think we avoid clickbait by actually writing things that are interesting and unique and fresh. That's awesome. Uh, one of the things, it's funny, you kind of bring up DC. Uh, one of the stories I followed that you guys were writing about was DC's presence at Comic-Con this year and just in general and kind of how it changed. Uh, talk to, our, talk to our, our listeners a little bit about that and what you kind of, kind of experienced at, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, with, with DC Comics? Um, well, I mean, the, you know, they're going through these huge changes and, um, uh, you know, the booth, uh, that was the big news. I mean, there's mm -hmm. uh, all these corporate marketing people have come in and said, oh, this is not the way to do it. And uh, inevitably, they don't understand what the special tribal nature of comics is. So, you know, DC <laughs> had this gigantic booth that anchored the whole comic section of the San Diego Comic-Con, and they'd been grandfathered into this massive booth. And, uh, you know, Warner Brothers was, you know, to be fair, they have new owners, at and yep. they have a whole new uh, head, Pam Lifford, uh, they have a whole division of uh, marketing, experiencing, branding, licensing, I forget what the name is, it's so many buzzwords. But, uh, you know, they come in and uh, they hire these people to shake things up, and they say, oh, we don't need a, a booth in the middle of the comics, we need a booth in the middle of the entertainment section. Or actually in the very corner where you have to like you know fight your way through so yeah dc uh dc had this very different booth that you couldn't interact with and you couldn't just go like normally if you go hang out in the dc booth at san diego it's just where everybody is like celebrities yeah nerd liberties mm -hmm. reporters like you just hang out there and you just meet everyone and not anymore you couldn't even get close to the booth and um you know, I don't know if I wrote this on the beat or not, but I, I always give little tidbits when I podcast. But another big change for DC at San Diego this year was that normally they have a big party. Yeah. This year they just had like a, you know, everybody got drinks at the Tiki Bar. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was a little bit harsh, also. So, so I'm, this is my old man uh, get off my lawn question, uh, <laughs> but I got the best birthday gift. Uh, uh, last week, which was uh, from a good friend of mine. He actually gave me his copy of Spectacular Spider-Man 157, uh, oh. which was the first Spider-Man book he ever bought in sixth grade, in which case he lent it to me, and that was the first Spider-Man comic I ever read. And so he gave that to me as a, as a, as a birthday gift, and I thought, wow, that was an, it was an amazing birthday gift. Um, reading through it, it reminded me, I feel like, how much better comics were. <laughs> Back then, are you? I, I'm doing my old man on the you know get off my lawn. Uh, my comics were better than your comics today because I'm reading through some of the Spider-Man books today, and I'm just like, this is. It's not unreadable, but it's it's it's, I don't know. It's not my Spider-Man. I, I, do you have the same uh, feeling, or or do you think we're in good shape in terms of the uh, you know the comic book industry and, and the way comics are written today versus, uh, or maybe even the way they were edit they're edited today versus the way they were edited back then. Well, I, I think, I mean, I certainly understand that everybody thinks that the comics that they read when they were kids are the best comics. Mm -hmm. okay? uh, I mean, I hate, you know, again, to show my age, you know, I bought uh, Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man number one off mm -hmm. the rack at the 7-Eleven. So, um, you know, my first Spider-Man issue was like, oh, you know what, I don't even remember the number, but it had The Punisher and it was drawn by Ross Andrew. And you know what, that was the greatest comic of all time. Yeah. Like, you take all the rest. That was the best comic of all time because it was my first Spider-Man comic. <laughs> you know? So uh, I'll tell you, uh, I think comics are actually as good as ever. There mm -hmm. may be times that have matched them, but probably the best time ever for comics because there's so many graphic novels coming out. Uh, comics for kids are flourishing. We have way more diversity among mm -hmm. the people making comics. We have so many more female creators. We have so many more queer creators. We have so many more creators of color uh, and, and just, you know, all different kinds of creators. And they're all getting their visions out there. They're doing graphic novels. Now, you know, Mike, if you're talking about the periodical or the pamphlet mm -hmm. or the floppy, you know, choose your derogatory term for it. <laughs> uh, we like floppies. floppies. <laughs> all right. I like floppy too. When you were buying your floppies, uh, guess what? Um, I just don't see kids picking up periodicals now. I know. You know. And I feel like the wonder that you and I felt. I mean, where did you buy that? Or, or, so that was your first comic, but I mean, where did you? Stationery store. A stationery, stationery store. store. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
so yeah, I think my comic for some, you know, Marvel comic that I bought for myself was at a, a food town, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah. that's something we lament all the time is that you have to like, you have, if you want comics, you literally really have to make a, a concerted effort to go and get a comic to find a comic book store. Uh, sometimes yeah. they're not always the most inviting of places. They used, be, they used to be on newsstands. They used to be yeah. everywhere when yeah. we, were, we were coming up. You know, you could just find it on, on every corner or yeah. every street corner. Candy shops, you know. Yeah, yeah. newsstands, literal newsstands are the corner. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, you have to search for everything now because brick-and-mortar uh, retailing is endangered. Yep. And so, I mean, you know, look, there's no more Toys R Us anymore. I know. But there That's are true. comic shops. So what does that tell you? I mean, there's more comic shops and there are toy stores now. Yeah. Yeah. And so there is Ugh. something. Yeah, right? There is <laughs> to it that there's a, be buying things that you hold in your hand and read that's still very attractive. But I honestly, look, I mean, I don't know if you've talked about this on your show, but there's all these rumors about DC is going to do a new reboot, right? Have you guys talked about this? We've, we have talked about it briefly, yes. Because okay. rumors, we can't, well, yeah, we've talked about it briefly. Look, I want to tell you, these rumors have been confirmed for me at the highest levels, okay? Mm-hmm. So this is what the plan is. But by the time it actually happens, it is going to be a bit different. But, you know, they're planning this new 5G. It's not going to be called 5G. They're planning this new uh, revamp of DC Comics like they do every few years. Whether yeah. it's like New 52 <laughs> or, you know, what was the last one? I, I can't even remember. There have been so many, you know. But, uh, you know, in Marvel, just, they can't even think of new names. It's like, you, right. know, you know, Marvel Plus or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, you know, are these comics, honest, honestly, I mean, are these, from what I'm hearing, are these comics, going to be like you could pick them up if you're going to send your you know eight-year-old 11-year-old 13-year-old kid to buy this comic and read it are they really going to be captivated by it i don't know i don't know that they are you know and i i I think it's it's fine to have comics for adults and Mm -hmm. you know we certainly have great comics for adults still some of them written like 40 years ago but um uh, you know, I think kids, but kids still love comics. They're just not getting them in the floppy format. Yeah, no, it's very true. It's a, it's a completely different world in terms of that, in terms of uh, especially the YA uh, centric graphic novels, which are huge now. That's like the biggest growing area in comics right now, uh, from from what I'm reading. Um, it's a, it is a different it is a different ballpark, but still, our comics were better. Uh, real <laughs> quick. What- <laughs> <laughs> what uh, you mentioned a lot of diverse uh, creators. What are you reading right now that just has you uh, going? You know, so, that, that, that gets you gets you there every month. So you know what? Well, I don't read periodical comics, but when I do, I, I probably read it if it's written by Brian K. Vaughan. I'm probably reading. Oh yeah. It, you know, I have. I'm like way super behind on my reading, to be honest. Uh, and I've been reading a lot of uh, graphic novels. So. Um, but you know, there's what's on the book. stack right now. Okay, well, uh, there, there's <laughs> a new book by Eleanor Davis out called The Hard Tomorrow. Uh, that's you know, she's one of our greatest, our greatest cartoonists, and it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of based on her own life, but it, it takes a, it, it, like she takes her own life and makes and fictionalizes it and dramatizes it, and makes it even more interesting. Um, you know, that's really great. Uh, I mean, a book that this came out a while ago was um, uh, Clyde Fans by Seth. Uh, both these books are published by Drawn and Quarterly, so I'm really stacking the deck here. But um, uh, like, uh, quite fans by Seth, it just be a masterpiece about the disintegration of mid-century American culture, even though it's set in Canada. But um, <laughs> you know, one book that I have been reading to catch up, and uh, there's another oldie. I mean, I'm I'm like I, I'm definitely catching up on all my reading because I travel so much. I haven't sure. had a lot of time. Uh, but you know, I really been enjoying the TV show, so I was kind of catching up on, on the boys. That that was oh okay, yeah. yeah. What a good book that is, and the TV show is so well done. Yeah, and um, it really, really uh works. And see, I'm trying to think of of what else. Uh, you know, I mean, I should have a better list. I better go back to the <laughs> comics. I I need to get my list. I'm I'm making my best of 2019 list, as a matter of fact, right as we're speaking. So that's what I'm getting back. Awesome. To. So I better get back on it. So. Awesome. Well, I will not keep you. I have one more question for you. And that is, uh, what is the story you are most proud of that you broke? 
sure that I'm the most proud. Oh, well, I know. I did not write this. This is definitely uh, where I found someone who wrote something great. But um, uh, my friend Brett Schenker, who actually does the website Graphic Policy, told me that he'd been doing all this Facebook research mm -hmm. that showed that about 40% of the uh, readership of comics was female, and which is, of course, mind-boggling. I guess this story came out about six years ago, maybe. Okay. And so uh, he wrote a story where he took all the Facebook, uh, Facebook demographics and, um, you know, put it out there on the beat. And, I mean, just people couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, well, you know, these numbers are slanted. You know, the sample size is too small. And I'm like, you know, this is what Facebook does for a living. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, their sample size is a million, of or, you know, a billion people. So, right, it's a very small sample size. <laughs> so I, I so enjoyed And, you know, that really became like a post that people link to when they're trying to show that, um, you know, I, I really honestly feel that the idea that uh, comics are just for boys is, is really, you know, faded away. It's That's like, antiquated now. It's uh, I, I mean, Yeah, it's that lying dead in the corner pretty much like a mouse got caught in the mousetrap. But, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. but at the, I'm sorry, but at the time when this story came out, it really just, you know, got, it, this is pre-comics gate, so it just got everybody like, it no, exploded. it can't be! It can't be. <laughs> <laughs> well, Heidi, I honestly, I could honestly pick your brain for a good hour, but you have work to do. I do. And we call this work, but it's, it's really not work, so. Uh, <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, do not be a stranger. We'd love to have you on next year as well, too. All right. And I, and I say that uh, because next year is like less than two months couple away. couple weeks away, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, but my, the oh. Roaring Twenties are coming back. Oh, my God. I love I'm going to cut my hair short for sure and get a fringe <laughs> around my dress. Uh, yeah, Mike Hassan, it's really great talking to you. I really appreciate uh, to, you know, uh, being on the show, and uh, keep doing uh, good stuff. Thank you guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much. All right. Next Happy week, birthday. we've okay. got Brian Volkweiss from the Toys That Made Us will be joining us uh, next week. We'll see you all then.